What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I am Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on our news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 151, fun show planned for you today. As we are recording, World Series Game 1 is underway. With, as Ben just told me before we pushed record, the Braves leading one nothing. Got confused by the A, and I was disappointed to hear it's an Astros lead. However, it was not Atlanta. So, you know, it happens. Mistake. Common mistake. Common mistake. Common mistake. Uh, we're going to discuss that to start off the show. Have some NFL news and notes. We'll give you our early predictions for the league award winners. And then do Banker Tank Week 7 results and Week 8 uh, guesses. The best as we can say, guesses, you know, it's pretty much what they are. We don't know for sure. Uh, predictions sounds a little more professional, but I already used that word. So I had to find another word, and that's the best I could do. So, World Series. Uh, Houston Astros, Atlanta Braves. Not the uh, result either one of us wanted. We both wanted to be Red Sox and, and Braves, I believe. Uh, but Astros won in six. Um, arrogant, as always. Um, against the Braves, and I'm not even going to pretend to be unbiased. I hope the Braves embarrass them in four and send Houston packing. I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll be Braves in six because Houston is, unfortunately, a very talented team. But, um, yeah, what do you think? I'm leaning the same way, Chris. Uh, Braves in six. Even though the Astros have the clear advantage in talent and experience. The Braves have been building this for a while. And this is kind of the the pinnacle of, of what they expected over the past three to four years, uh, accruing talent in the farm system and letting it mature. And obviously, I think the biggest biggest plus for the team is, is Freddie Freeman never went anywhere. He could have. He could have went at any point in time. He could have forced his way out. He could have played that. I've been a good soldier card for many years. I want to finish. Nope. He wants to finish here. And now he's, you know, on a talented team with, with Acuna and, and just, it seems like they're putting it together. And if I'm the Braves, I got to take advantage of the situation because the NL, it can can be up and down each and every year, even though the Dodgers are pretty solid, consistent, which is another problem because the Dodgers are probably going to be back there next year. So if I'm the Braves, I want to take advantage of this situation. I need to, I need to push all my chips in. I need to be smart about every situation. No matter how minute or mundane it may think, Every Braves player for all these games need to be on point because, you know, you look at the Astros, they could change a player here or there. We all know uh, Carlos Correa is a free agent at the end of this year. But generally their team is – looks like it could come back and, and, and be a contender next year, especially in their division. So I think the Braves got to take advantage they're in a tough division. They're in a tough uh, conference league. And I think they have to take advantage of this situation, but I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they pull it off. I agree. Uh, the Braves are super talented and, and 
just kind of burying the lead there. Robert, Ronald Acuna Jr., or maybe he doesn't go by the junior anymore, but he did when he first started, uh, was an MVP candidate when he tore his ACL and would miss the rest of the season. Kudos to them for being able to lose one of the bright young stars in the game and still uh, find themselves in this position. Um, I, you brought up an interesting name, a few interesting names there. One being Freddie Freeman for the Braves, two being Carlos Gray for the Astros. Both will be free agents after this season. Uh, Correa expressed his displeasure with not getting an extension. Uh, Freeman, Freeman did as well earlier in the year. I think he really was hoping, especially coming off an NL MVP award in 2020. Uh, 2021, right? Or was it 2019? I know he did, but I don't. I, don't I want to. St- I want to say it was twenty twenty, but my God, man, his last year and a half has blurred together so much. I can't remember to tell you the truth. Uh, but I know he. I know he has one, and he's been a high caliber player for uh, quite a while now. And I think he was a little disappointed in the fact that he wasn't just. They didn't just work it out before the season started, uh, but he picked his chin up like an adult, and and you know, like Correa did too. Correa, you know, okay, well, this isn't. We're not going to get this done now. I'm going to play the season out and. We're going to figure it out after the year's over. And if I'm here, cool. And if I'm not, well, thanks for the memories. Uh, I think that's kind of Correa's point of view on it. I think Freeman really wants to stay in Atlanta. He said as much. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm sure. I I don't think Correa plays in Houston next year because I think they have too many players on that team that are going to cost too much money coming up. Uh, Plus, they already have Jose Altuve's massive contract. I do think the Braves find a way to keep Freddie Freeman because he's more than just a great player on that team. He is the heart and soul of that team in the locker room. But uh, from the World Series standpoint, I would love to see Braves in six, like I said earlier. Um, Just not a fan of the Astros. Not even, like I've said before, not even the whole scandal, just how they acted afterwards. Like, yeah, we need to get in trouble, whatever. We're gonna be. We're gonna pretend like we're mad at you for being mad at what we did. So I just didn't like that. Don't care for it. And uh, they want to play the villain. Well, they they got it. They're the villain, and now they get to go up against that Atlanta, who I'm hoping can be the hero. So go Braves. I'm a Braves fan for the next week or so. And I, I'm just kind of hoping for a little little parody here. Um, and I know it speaks. Um kind of backwards because you know i was rooting for the red sox and they won in 18 and even a little farther back they've won and they've been contenders for many years but also they've been in the bottom of the barrel so yeah. i think they've kind of broken it up not on purpose obviously because no. dombrowski gutted the farm system and just made bad contractual agreements um oh, terrible but i think I think I'd like to just see some, you know, some new blood and some, someone new on the stage and, and hoisting that trophy and the Braves, I think are a good team to, to do that. And they just, they just might have the edge as far as guts to, because they just stood up to one of the best teams in the league in the Dodgers and took them down that makes me think that they have the possibility of, of standing up to the Astros who have a talented lineup up and down, albeit their rotation, some pieces of it might be questionable, um, but they do have some talented pitching. You know, maybe as we look to next year, I know it's a little 
um, forward thinking because we're still we still have World Series to finish up. If you look at the two CS losers, Chris, which one of you think has the better chance of coming back to that same position next year to try to win? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, the, the easy choice to say, even though I'm a Red Sox fan, is the Dodgers because they're going to bring a lot of talent back. Right. Um, the thing is, though, with the Dodgers, while they do have a lot of young talent, uh, Walker Bueller, I finally stopped calling him Walker Burley. <laughs> Walker Bueller uh, is going to be uh, a stud for a long time, as, as long as they can get him to you know throw more than three innings and they don't keep stifling his longevity. Uh, which I don't blame him for. That's where we are with statistics in the game. Um, and, I mean, look, Betts looked good this year, but Betts didn't look like a $30-something million a year player this year. Um, there's other players who are going to have to resign. Some of their pitchers are getting up there. Clayton Kershaw is not a spring chicken. There's a lot in flux, and the Dodgers are expected to win. They spend that money because they expect to win. Whereas with the Red Sox... As disappointed as I was that they didn't weren't able to pull it off and be in the World Series right now, nobody before the season started could have looked at that team and said they were going to go to Game Six of the ALCS. Certainly not me, honestly, admittedly. Like I thought, maybe a wild card spot at best. I didn't know if they were going to beat the Yankees in the wild card game. I didn't know if they were going to make it out of the ALDS against the Rays. And then when they were up two to one, and up in Game Four against Houston, and I'm like. They're kind of about to go up three to one. They could win this thing. I was shocked. They did not do what they have in the past couple of years, and that is sacrifice their farm system for a loan. They didn't. Yeah, they don't have necessarily have super duper top tier guys, but they have a more stable farm system with some decent talent they can grow and develop, and they have a lot of great talent in the majors. JD Drew might not be back. That is a hit. Kyle Schwarber might not be back. For all we joked about him, you know, being the guy they traded for at the trade deadline, uh, he did some very solid things for the team down the stretch. And they have the money to bring both those guys back. Uh, I know, I think JD's actually an opt-out situation, so I don't think that's that's actually a whole... I don't even think that's actually a contract negotiation that's opt-in, opt-out. He had the choice last year and didn't. Uh, we'll see if he does it again this year. Devers and Bogarts are one of the best shortstop third base combinations with the bat. Pretty decent one to glove to with the bat in, in, in the majors. Um, I got to say, honestly, if, if, if you put a gun to my head, I think the Red Sox at this point have more overall upside. With the young players, the, the less expensive players, lower expectations, despite, you know, the Boston media being as toxic as a field full of chemicals. Um, I I got to go with the Sox. They're gonna, if they do a couple of decent moves, not even big market guys they bring in, a couple of decent role players. This is going to be a contending, very much a contending team next year. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything wrong with what you said, Chris. Um, I know Seager, I believe, is up, and that is a point of contention on whether or not they'll retain him because they also traded for Trey Turner. And we have to remember, 
um, the big the big um, get from this last offseason by the Dodgers, will he be back, is Trevor Bauer. Because if you compare Trevor Bauer with, I don't want to say aging, but he is getting to the twilight of his career in Max Scherzer and then obviously. Oh, Scherzer, not Bauer. Bauer's on the Dodgers. No, no, I, I, yeah, I thought you said Bauer's getting the twilight of his career. No, 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 Scherzer. Okay, okay, I want to clear that up. I, yeah, okay, I misunderstood yeah. for a minute. And then, obviously, as you mentioned, Walker Bueller's there. Like that's a powerhouse. And then you, you, you forget Julio Urias, who I think got twenty wins this year, um, if I remember correctly. Like the Dodgers will have to focus on bullpen because they're paying. If memory serves me, Kenley Jensen was blowing holds because he wasn't a closer anymore for the team, and yet he's getting paid astronomical numbers. Now, he could be up in the end of the year. He could be another year. I don't – I did not look into that um, because I didn't think we could get into this. But um, just look at thinking from the Dodgers' perspective, they have some – issues to resolve and what the future plans for their entire roster, not just top of their roster or the bottom twenties of their roster. That's where the Red Sox can take advantage of is, is that, as you mentioned, that role player bottom of the roster. I think the Dodgers need to suss out what the, what the constitution of their entire roster is going to be their bullpen because they, they, they seem to have the starting pitcher set if they use them correctly. It's the rest of it. And if I'm the Padres, if I'm the Rockies, if I'm the Giants, I look at that and see what I can take advantage of this offseason, especially with the Giants who had a miraculous season and just came up a little bit short. Um, I think they can improve on that. So I think – the Dodgers have a slight edge just because the talent that Red Sox will need to acquire to catch up with the likes of the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays. There's just so much competition there that it might be too much to, to overcome if they have any misplays at all. Yeah, it's it's definitely that that's very valid. I mean, like I said, even when I picked the Sox, I said there was <laughs> There's contingencies there. It's not just a cut and dry thing. They have to, yeah. if they don't bring back Schwarber or uh, or JD Drew, JD Drew, <laughs> JD Martinez. I probably called him JD Drew earlier. I always call that guy JD Drew. I don't know what it is. Um, but if they don't bring those guys back, then very clearly uh, it's the Dodgers. But if they bring them back and make a couple key acquisitions, their bullpen looked a lot better this year than I thought it has in many years in the past. Um, but let's just keep building on it. I'd rather have you... I'd rather have them be kind of on the cusp of being competitive for the next three or four years, and then be really good for a decade, than be really good next year, win a World Series, and then have five more years of mediocrity. So, and I just want to leave one note. One note: we got to remember one thing. Um, the rumors right now are Xander is going to opt out in twenty twenty two. Those are the rumors right now. So you have to, if you're the Red Sox, you have to factor that in. Sure. Do we invest, give him that contract he wants this offseason, 
is even interested? And if we don't, do we save that money for the next offseason to try to convince him? Or do we do what maybe might be the smart thing to do? And I hate to say this because I love oh, I know what you're gonna say. You might have to cut bait and and, and send them elsewhere for a treasure trove of, of, of prospects or, or major league ready players. I, I don't want to, but it's the same thing with Mookie Betts. If he's going to opt out and there's no way to convince him to stay and it's just going to be, well, you're going to have to be the highest bid. If you don't feel like you're, you want to go out on that limb as an organization, you have to make a decision and you can't wait till the middle of the season because you're going to get diminished returns. So that's something they have to consider. I am yeah. not saying they're going to, but they have to consider that. Look, if everybody out there is saying, oh, my God, they can't trade Xander, look, I don't want him to either. And that's certainly not what Ben's saying. He doesn't want him to. Ben's been big on Xander Bogart since he was, a, got what, 17 years old in the farm system? Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, much like bets, if you're not going to pay him the money and you much rather get a haul of prospects in return, uh, do it when he's in his prime. I mean, do it when he's his value is highest. So that, that that makes sense. I hope it doesn't come to that, but we've learned the hard way over the last couple of decades. This is no longer a a a, a loyalty to a team thing. It's you know I got to take care of my people and uh, my people at home. <laughs> Make sure I finish that so nobody says, "Oh my god, what did he mean by that?" Um, take care of those around you, your loved ones, as opposed to the team, which is understandable. I'm not knocking anyone for that. I mean, I would do the same yeah. thing if I was if I was a player. <laughs> if I could make $100 million and take care of everyone I love for the next three lifetimes, then uh, <laughs> I would do that as opposed to maybe pissing off some pundit sitting behind a microphone somewhere. So I get it. Just it's uh, As a fan, it can be disappointing, but it is what it is. It's also more business than anything else. So, Especially with Correa this yeah. offseason, who yep. could – break the markets yeah i i think it'll be interesting to see how great carlos correa is without all that protection around him but um we'll see on to the nfl we have some news and notes before we get to our league mvp award predictions through week seven and we get to banker tank so first thing not not the biggest story because you know thankfully he wasn't injured severely uh but jets quarterback rookie zach wilson uh, suffered a PCL sprain this past week when they just got absolutely manhandled by the Patriots. Um, that was a fun game to watch if you were a Patriots fan. Not so much if you were a Jets fan, but if you're a Jets fan, you're probably used to it. So, uh, Probably miss about two weeks right now. That's the estimate I saw last. Yeah. Um, so good, good for him. I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a Patriots fan, but I don't, I, I'm not a malicious fan. I don't want to see anybody get hurt severely. So glad the kid didn't get hurt long term, didn't tear an ACL or anything, and hopefully he can be back on the field throwing interceptions in no time. Chris, I think you missed a note here with the Jets. What's that? Uh, they they acquired a, a new quarterback today. They did. I forgot to put that in there. <laughs> Round two with Joe Flacco. Because what is the definition Mike- of insanity? Uh, reacquiring Joe Flacco, but who was their backup? I had no clue who that was, Chris. And I'm like, okay, well, you do what you got to do in a moment's crunch, but I guess 
it was either get him or or sign Cam Newton, but I guess they didn't want to sign Cam Newton. I mean, I can't really blame him. No, because Zach Wilson comes back. Who knows what the situation would yeah. be? Yeah. So, whereas Joe knows he's he is there to do one thing: get them through a couple weeks. And then when Zach Wilson's ready to play, he's ready to play. So mm-hmm. it's just that's just interesting that they reacquired him. Yeah, that's that's something. All right. Now it seems like we're we're talking about this team every week, but I mean it, it is a big story. The Kansas City Chiefs, or the twenty-two people stepping on the field impersonating the Kansas City Chiefs, got absolutely destroyed. I mean, and it, it wasn't by the Tennessee Titans. It was twenty-seven to three, and if you watch the game, it wasn't even as close as the score indicates. Tennessee pretty much had a walkthrough in the second half just making sure the Chiefs didn't score and making sure nobody on offense got hurt. Um, there is no part of this Chiefs team right now that is working the way it should be working. Uh, it, it's just – it's it's all the things that were going right the previous years to help build this unstoppable dynasty everybody said they had because everyone so very badly wanted them to take that mantle from the Patriots. Uh, they were just willing to give it to them after two years. And look, they looked awesome. But we've seen teams look awesome for two or three seasons before. And then salary cap catches up. Just the game catches up with them. Even moderately good defenses have figured this Chiefs offense out. You just stop Tyree Kill from being able to run wherever he wants. And whatever they're doing with Mahomes is working. Because Derrick Henry had more touchdown passes on Sunday than Patrick Mahomes had. So... And, oh, and by the way, by the way, uh, Patrick Mahomes is tied for the league leading interceptions with rookie Zach Wilson. Now, thankfully for him, Wilson won't be playing the next two weeks to throw picks, so Mahomes will have a chance to get that all to himself this next Sunday. But um, I, I say that in jest. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say it, but we're seeing a, a lot of – lot of – Nick's in the armor here of this unstoppable Chiefs beast. And we said it when they signed Mahomes to that big contract. We just didn't think it would be for another two or three years. You're not going to be able to bring in guys to support uh, Mahomes, bring them in around him to support him because he's going to be taking up a, such a huge chunk. And then they also extended Travis Kelsey, you know, so extended Chris Jones. And I understand that because those are two standout players who play at a high level, but something isn't working there. And they got a lot of guys tied up in a system that's not working right now. And I think the thing that disturbs me the most is they just have an absolute lack of being aware that they need to adjust their gameplay. Like they can't just go in anymore and just have Mahomes scramble around for 10 seconds and no look throw to Tyree kill 40 yards downfield and oop touchdown. We just tripped and fall and landed tripped and fall tripped and fell and landed on 50 points. It's not happening. You got to actually grind it out and this offense is not built for that. They can't handle it. You see the frustration in halfway through the first quarter. I don't know what's going on with this team, but they keep going like this. This is going to be one of the bigger falls from grace I can remember it. 
almost ever as a sports fan. So, so this is how I look at it, Chris. I'm not watching every single minute of every single game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Looking at the stats, listening to experts, um, not so much pundits, experts, people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. I see that this is what I see. The running game is not productive. And you could say, well, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a couple hundred yards games beginning of the season. He's been out for, I think I saw it was three weeks so far. Well, he, I like him as a player. I think he's got talent, but I wonder if he just has a certain niche. Like he should be more of that Austin Eckler type yeah. that you don't want to run him down. You don't want to beat him up. You don't want to give him the ball 15, 16 times a game um, in the backfield. You want to get him 15, 16 touches, but that's collectively in space. Um, stretch plays, maybe a couple times through between the tackles, but you need to get him in space. You need to get him away from uh, the big the big bodies in the middle, which is what the Panthers honestly need to do with um, CMC as well. And a lot of other teams are going to need to start doing this. I just think they don't have that that workhorse in the middle that's that's going to give them eat up those extra yards, those tough yards. They can't be consistent. And I heard today, and I think this was uh, an at point by an expert, and I know it was on Boston Radio, Chris, but just just hear it out real quick. Who Ever said since it? the who said it. Uh, his name is um, uh, uh, shit. <laughs> uh, Chris Bedard. Um, he runs a website, but he was also he was tied to I think the Boston Globe or or um, the other Boston paper before. Okay. He, he he's not a like a radio person. He's actually a guy who watches the games, breaks right. them down. Um. He, he said ever since the Patriots um, beat them a few years ago and then the Bucks uh, also last year, teams have been trying to do mimic what they've done. Force the Chiefs to drive the ball eight, nine, ten, ten, ten plays. Yep. That's how you get them out of rhythm. Because to your point earlier, Chris, they – they don't have that same energy when they're not, you know, no. scoring 21 points in three minutes. That that's kind of seems like how Andy Reid and, and, and Patrick Mahomes have built this offense to just click, click, boom. And they've scored 21 points before you know it. And, and you're just, you got your head spinning. This happened to the Titans. What two years ago in the playoffs against the chiefs where they had a nice lead and then boom, click, click, boom. They're there behind and they are not a team built to catch up. So the recipe to attempt to beat the Chiefs, if you have the pieces, is to just force them to drive down the field. Because with any team, if you force them to as more plays, the odds of them making a mistake, whether it's Mahomes throw, a fumble by the running back, a miscatch by a receiver, deflection. 
things happen. There's a higher percentage chance of that happening than one go route to Tyree Kill. He burns the guy, one play, 91 yards, touchdown. Like, that's kind of the way to beat him. And it seems like the, the league is is starting to catch up with that. And this is new territory for these guys. That's the thing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say all of a sudden after a couple of bad games, Andy Reid's not a good coach. Patrick Holmes isn't a good quarterback. It's not remotely what I'm suggesting. They have the talent. Andy Reid knows what he needs to do. I'm not telling Andy Reid anything he doesn't already know, or anybody else out there for that matter. The problem is, like you said, and like we both said, because the contract situations, they don't have the personnel to grind out those 9, 10, 12 play drives. Um, Any quarterback can look good when they're throwing a couple of 60, 70-year touchdowns a game. Uh, Mahomes has struggled this year. Doesn't look like the same guy. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's something as simple as he's losing sleep at home because he got a newborn there. I have no idea. It could very well be that. I mean, yeah, he makes a ton of money, but he's still human. He still has the same issues uh, when he goes home as everybody else. He just has a lot more money to deal with it. But, I mean, it could be something like that. And he could come in next year after the kid's a little bit older and and light it up again. It could be something that simple. Uh, But this team as a whole, man, like you said, on offense, they just – defense is bad. We know this. We know they're bad. They had – they weren't ever really all that great. They were good last year, but they got a lot more credit than they deserve because the offense would score so many points, they would force teams to do stupid shit, which would make the defense look better than it was. I firmly believe that. Chris Jones is a great player. Tyron Matthews is a great player. Uh, they have some other talent, but not enough to round out that team. It's just not enough, clearly. Uh, Cleveland should have beat them week one. Anybody else who's been a competitive, halfway decent team has beat them in handily. The Bills smoked them. The Titans smoked them. Wasn't even close with either one of those teams. Uh, Baltimore beat them up bad. Uh, this team is not on the top of the mountain anymore. This, this, they didn't even get the chance to, to finish the foundation and putting the walls in for the dynasty before. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Derrick Henry came and tore it down and said, no, 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 no. You're not building here. You don't have a permit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> this, You're in a KC front office. you got to figure it out in quick because Mahomes hasn't even hit his high cap number yet, and you already don't have the personnel to figure out how to get out of this funk. It's going to be a long couple of years in KC if you can't figure out something really quick. And I, and I think there's something else we have to factor in, Chris. And, and, and we do have to put a lot of blame on the offense of their their productivity. But I think you glazed over just a little bit uh, the defense and their, you know, inability to turn the ball over. They have five interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and what's worse is that they have eight sacks. Now, I will tell you, there is one team that has the same amount of sacks as them, and that's Jacksonville, and three teams above them, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. Now, Dallas is getting turnovers, so that can, you know, kind of help with those sack numbers. If you're getting the turnovers, 
the sack numbers look a little less. But the other three teams are some of the are some of the bottom of the barrel of the league. That is a very telling. Those are very telling stats. You're not turning the ball over. You're not forcing the quarterback into uh, positions to throw picks or putting them in long yardage. So one thing I think when I looked at the the Bucks this weekend, uh, the one thing I noticed is Tom got a lot of short fields against the Bears. So even though he wasn't as crisp as he usually is, and he was missing two pieces of the offense, he got short fields. The Bears just, unfortunately, Justin Fields is is in over his heads right so now. The Bears appear to have short fields too. Right. It's a good one, Chris. <laughs> just kidding, uh, Justin. Sorry, dude. I think you're going to be good. Just that with Matt Nagy there. Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing that could flip it around, but that's the problem is what what can you do midseason to change what the defense is? Because I don't think there's much you can do unless a certain player became available a few weeks ago that could have changed part of your defense. But unfortunately, the uh, the Panthers decided to acquire him. You don't. There's no one that's going to convince me the Patriots didn't pull that trade off with the Panthers to make sure he did not end up in the hands of a Baltimore, a KC, any other competitor in in, in the um, in the yeah, AFC. And the Panthers, <laughs> you got to factor in. The rumor was that the Panthers got in on it because they didn't want the Bucks exactly. to land him. Yeah. So it's a lot. Yep. There's a lot of um, agreement there between the two teams. And, you know, if, if someone becomes available, maybe. But, you know, Jalen Smith was available. He went to, to Green Bay. Yeah, but how are they going to afford to pay anybody? That's the thing. That's the thing, too. Is There's the other issue. They don't have any cap room right now. And Mahomes' cap hit is, God, it's going to be it's going to be close to over 40 next year. Right now, it's under eight. And they're having these problems now. Even if the cap were to increase drastically next year, Mahomes is going to eat up the majority of that. So this team's going to have to figure out how to win without throwing constant 80-yard touchdown passes really quick because this defense isn't getting any better anytime soon. And as good as the offensive players are, if you only have one side of the ball playing really hard, (laughs) they're exhausted by the second quarter because it's the other side of the ball is incompetent. And and you got to remember, you know, one of their highest paid players, Frank Clark, is is literally not doing anything. He's not being productive. Who could have so, seen that coming? I, I, a lot of people probably saw yeah. it coming. But, yeah. You know, you, you you get glossed over with a team that, um, that that won the Super Bowl, and you just kind of get those teary eyes about all these players. And here's another little curveball for them, Chris. Tyron Matthews is a free agent. So the the one of the players you pointed out is probably one of their best players. He's going to go probably goes go somewhere else because they can't pay anybody. I mean, great. They'll have $32 million in, in uh, cap space and a good chunk of that's going to go to their, their, uh, their rookies. And then you got to fill some of these holes. 
the offensive line is not playing. They invested in the offensive line and it's not playing well. And you have to look at the running back position. And if Clyde Edward Tolaire is not your first, second down running back, and he's just a, a third down back receiving back, now you got to reinvest in that. And Tyreek Hill is at some point going to want to re up, probably. There's, there's just so much going on there. And we brought this up when that contract was signed. It's great that he got top of the market. And I'm all for a player going out and get as much as they can. But sure. you have made a decision about the franchise for the next four to five years of what they're going to be because you wanted the top of the market as a quarterback. Yep. Well, it kind of ties into our next question. Uh, well, kind of our next two questions. They, they kind of go together. The Ravens looked like the team to beat in the AFC. Ravens and the Bills looked like the team to beat. And then Tennessee beats Buffalo, although it didn't trounce them. It was a very competitive game. It was a very good game. Uh, and then uh, Ravens absolutely just destroyed, destroyed the L.A. Chargers, who had looked awesome over the past month or so. Uh, and then the Bengals come in and just lay waste to the Ravens. I mean, talk about a statement win. They absolutely, I mean, 41 to 17. And this was a close game at halftime. And the Bengals proving they are not, <laughs> they're not your, uh, well, pretty much the Bengals from almost every other year they existed. Um, What is the hierarchy of the NFL right now? Like, who's top dog? Because you get a top dog for two weeks and then someone knocks him off. Like, as good as the Titans have looked the last two weeks, they are responsible for the Jets' only win. Right. So, And I do realize they had their two top receivers out, but they still had Derrick Henry and, and a lot of other players. Still should have beat the Jets. Still should have beat the Jets. I mean, the Jets are basically uh, just a, I don't know, Jacksonville with better uniforms. Um, <laughs> It's like, uh, I... I I, 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 I don't know because you say, oh, it's Buffalo. Well, okay, but then Tennessee beat them. Oh, it's got to be Tennessee. Well, then, you know, Tennessee lost to a team that is not good. Uh, so it, it, it's not Kansas City because they lost to these guys. It's not this team because they lost to those guys. I still personally believe the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC. I firmly do. I think – all is said and done. The Bills represent the AFC in the Super Bowl come February. But it's going to be a battle. There's a lot of teams. Uh, and let's not forget the Browns, who managed to pull out a win despite having their three best offensive players not playing last week. Browns, Bengals, Chargers, Titans, uh, Ravens. This is going to be a dogfight. And that's only the AFC, by the way. I, I think, Chris, there's a little more definition than the NFC as far as the hierarchy. Um, with the factor of the little X factor of the, the Cardinals, because we're not quite sure if this is sustainable by the Cardinals. We know what the Packers can be. We know what the Bucks can be. We kind of understand what the Cowboys can be. And I think the hierarchy, that's kind of the hierarchy. It's, it's the Bucks, the Packers, the Cowboys, and then the Cardinals fit in somewhere 
in between or at the end, depending on if they can sustain this. And AFC might come down to week 17, to be honest with you, about who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, because it's just so, as you pointed out, this team beats this team, but then two weeks later, they get beat by a team that has two wins or, or three wins. And I get your point about the the Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Bills, but, you know, division games are typically the the toughest of them all. And, sure. And they still have, other than, you know, facing the Jets. Um, the Patriots and the Bills still have to play. I think the Dolphins and the Bills have to play at least once, if not twice. Uh, I'm not sure if they've played once yet. I don't think so. They played the first time this weekend. And and that's not even getting in the NFC North, which typically those games are just knockout, dragout battles. So the Bengals blowing out the, the, the Ravens is kind of surprising uh, in the fact that it's usually a tough matchup. But the irony, Chris, is that the Browns could go up against the Bengals the next time they face and, and beat them. And now are they at the top of the hierarchy? Right. It, it's just – it's kind of what we want from the NFL is, is, is great parody. And it's interesting to talk about who, where is everyone slotted in this conference, but you almost have to go week in and week out because nothing's fluid. We could have thought that Las Vegas Raiders were going to drop off because of the whole Gruden thing. And they don't seem to have dropped off. No, I forgot about them. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. They look good too. And the Chargers went out and what was it last week? Uh, got their uh, yeah, they got their doors blown out by the the Ravens, and we thought, well, they're they're kind of the top mm-hmm. of the market with the with with Justin Herbert and that offense that should just be electric every week, and it just seems very fluid week in and week out, which is why I think it's going to matter who you beat when you beat them and how how you controlled your division wins is going to matter at the end of the season not only if you win your division but are you going to make a wild card bid successful because it every year we talk about these tiebreakers in week 15 week 16 what's going to matter is it really going to matter and it kind of works itself out that 17th week this could really cause some issues going down the stretch. And you could have a 10-win, 11-win team, even in a wild card with three wild cards, be out of the playoffs. Or you could have three, eight, and eight, or eight, and nine uh, wild card teams because it just everyone's beating everybody else. Yes, absolutely. It is going to be very interesting. Real quick, before we move on to our awards, uh, based on what you've seen, had to guess right now who went, who's the Super Bowl representatives from each conference. I still want to go with the Ravens. I think they can get this thing together and, and make it work. And I think Lamar just is a skill set onto himself. Something tells me, and I don't, I, this is not, I'm not going all in on this, 
I have a hunch that the Rams with 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 Stafford could push the envelope and and win the conference. So you're gonna go are, Ra- you're gonna go Ravens Rams. Yeah, I this is it's not set in stone. No, no, no. We're, we're dude. We're gonna talk this over as the season progresses yeah. too. Just put but, me on the spot. I just looking at yeah. the everything. I'm not trying to no recency bias, you know, because I could go the the Bengals and the Cowboys because they're both looking really good right now but i'm just thinking like big picture what i've seen so far i think that it that kind of seems like it could be a collision course in the super bowl i'm gonna go buffalo arizona okay um arizona i did won't go undefeated i'm certainly not calling for a perfect season they're gonna lose two or three along the way just because they're young enough to where they're gonna stumble but mature enough to where they can pick themselves up and still go forward and say, okay, we learned from those losses. Uh, and Buffalo, look, even when they get beat, they never look terrible. So I, that's there. I, I still pick them. But again, like I said, we're going to talk about it several more times throughout the season. Injuries happen. Players drop off. Players, you know, play up. So we'll see. Some of those players are going to be guys we pick in our next segment. We're going to pick our way-too-early award winners at the end of Week 7. Uh, we have seven awards as normal. Of our MVP, our Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year, uh, Coach of the Year, and our Comeback Player of the Year. Um, we're going to save the MVP for last, as we normally do. That's the big one. No disrespect to any of the other ones, but that's, you know, the one that gets a lot of the attention. And I think we may agree on a lot of these, but either way, we're gonna we're gonna run these down and give a, a brief reason why. We're not gonna get crazy with it. We're already forty five minutes in. But um, what do you say, Ben? I think I don't know what you're gonna say here. Comeback player of the year. Who do you got? Well, I, I honestly, Chris, I forgot about comeback player of the year. Okay, that's re- fine. I don't. Re- I, I went to the primaries because that's what we did. Uh, Originally, no, the funny part is last year we did this, you had it, and I forgot, so it's well, <laughs> part for the out. course. We're being consistent, if nothing else. Uh, if I had to choose one, Chris, just, just on the spot without thinking about it, I think Joe Burrow's probably the top of the market there. Uh, he's just that the Bengals are ripping, especially the past, past few weeks, they're really starting to set the world on fire. And I, and I just want to add one context. Um, I saw, was it a tweet or something uh, or an article about how Jamar Chase is playing? And anyone who made a tweet or made a comment or audio about, you know, how they made a mistake about not, not drafting Penny Sewell and take back your, 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 your comments about that. I, and I say to that, I'll stand by my comments. They should have drafted the left tackle. I didn't have a problem with Jamar Chase, but I still think the left tackle, even to this day, even with his production level, I still think at some point they're going to look at that and say, because of last year and this year, if I remember correctly, he had had a few scares. Those, Those tackles are vitally important, but Joe's come back and he's setting the world on fire. Yeah, he is, and he's done great, and he was almost my pick, but uh, I had to go with Dak Prescott. 
uh, because uh, that Cowboys team just looked abysmal without him last year, and it looked like, much as I hate to say it, it looked like they are them boys this year, and uh, they they will be there. They will probably win a playoff game this year. <laughs> they win that division for sure. Um, I, I I really don't even mean that to sound, you know, snarky. It's just they haven't proved they can win in the playoffs since Aikman left. So they have to do that before they can get credit for it. Um, so they'll, they'll be there and they'll win that division. And, and Dak is going to be the reason why, or one of the biggest reasons why. And, uh, yeah, Joe Burrow was a close second, though. And and the good news is CeeDee Lamb is starting to take his, his yeah. seat at the yeah. top of the table for the receivers, which for, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan is nothing but good news because – can we let know Cooper what go and save some money. There you go. Coach of the year. You know, I'm going to go a little hometown bias. I'm going to go with Bill. Really? Took a, took a first round quarterback when most people thought he wouldn't. And then all of a sudden he does ejects the starter from last year makes these all these big purchases in the offseason all these big players spends this money what, half a half a billion dollars close yeah and he and even though they're three and four they're fighting they're they're putting together wins here and there i get i know two of them against the jets ones against houston but they're competitive in just about every game and I just think with what he's doing with that team and the fact there's still that ghost, he's still there. And he was there a few weeks ago and they almost took him down. There's that ghost of Tom Brady sitting there knowing that he's already won a Super Bowl and about to maybe win another one. I just think that that speaks volumes of what he's done. He's got some good going on. He's got some bad going on, but I think – what he's done over the past couple of years, especially with eating that eating those dollars last year and having just a sub-average team, I think speaks volumes what he's doing this year. I may be just a little hometown biased there. I uh, I didn't pick him, but you make some very valid points. And the thing to be excited about, like you said, they are three and four. They fumble inside the five-yard line against the Dolphins. A field goal would have won that game. They go head-to-head with the Super Bowl champions, who people think are going to absolutely annihilate them. And they, a field goal a foot and a half the other direction. Uh, it had the distance, just to hit the post. Foot and a half the other direction. And they win that game. And they were competitive and went into overtime with Dallas, who looks like one of the best teams in the league right now. So they didn't win those games. Obviously, you don't get credit for games you don't win. But you have such sometimes take positives from negatives. And... All things are lining up, and they win one or two of those games. They're the surprise story of the NFL this year. So, however, uh, I chose for my coach of the year so far Zach Taylor of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, guys come in, and you know he took over for a coach that was pretty well liked, had good tenure, and he's built a team. He got his quarterback, and didn't really get to see what he could do last year because of injury. Stuck with it. Built an even, you know, built 
around him in the offseason, not necessarily the way most people thought they should have with the offensive line, but they did build around him. They gave him more weapons. If you can't be protected on the offensive line, at least gives you more people to throw to to stop getting hit more. Um, this team responds to him. They react to him. They're legit. They almost beat Green Bay two weeks ago. Uh, they should have, actually, if the kicker, you know, <laughs> both Green Bay and uh, Cincy's kicker were competing to see who could miss the most field goals in, in one 10-minute span. Uh, but he is a huge reason why this team is a position they're in because he knows his personnel, he knows how to use them, and they respond to him. So for me, it's Zach Taylor. You never know where it's going to go in the future. Bengals go out and they look terrible and lose four in a row. Could be different in a month, but right now it's him for me. Defensive Rookie of the Year. So this is the one from the beginning of the season when we made our picks, this is the one I've actually changed on. Uh, mostly because uh, the player got injured. The player was uh, Jeremiah Owesu Camaro. I think that's how you pronounce it. I apologize to him if I pronounced it incorrectly. He's a outside linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. So I shifted gears. I had a couple options, Chris, but I chose Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback from the L.A. Chargers has five pass deflections, two interceptions. And because of the way Derwin James is playing, I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities. Yeah. He, he puts up five, six, seven picks in the season, collects a nice amount of pass deflections, solid in the run game, solid in coverage. I think he could take this uh, award away from anybody else, especially your pick, which is who? <laughs> Do you have my original pick? I feel like I know who it is, but I'm not 100% sure. My pick now is Micah Parson. I thought it was Micah Parson yeah, to begin with. I, don't, I think it was to begin with also, and I'm going to stick with him. Everything yeah. you said about Asante Samuel Jr. is very valid. Uh, but let's just be honest. Much, when it comes to defense, uh, it's much easier for linebackers to build up eye-popping stats. Yep. And he is... You, when you see... Uh, tenured members of that defense coming up to him and, and talking to him after plays and, and, and coaching him too when he does something dumb. He, I forgot what it was, but he did something dumb a couple weeks ago, which happens with young players. Not a, right. you know, No condemnation. A lot of emotion out there. You get fired up sometimes. Things happen. Uh, the way they react to him, the way he reacts to them, this kid is going to be one of the dominant linebackers in the game for years to come. And... Uh, he's going to start with a defensive rookie of the year award this year. I don't know why we have to ask this next one <laughs> because I think we're both, we're both going to say, I mean, let's be mm. real. Um, offensive rookie of the year. As a great man once said, Chris, not so fast, my friend. I'm going Mac Jones. Okay. Now I did consider strongly your choice because i'm pretty sure i know where you're going yeah, i think everybody knows where i went i'm projecting the entire season and i just think he's gonna put enough together because i think a quarterback can put up more stats and we know this we know the player of the year stat uh, awards are typically stat driven. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Um, MVP can be that one, you know, wins winning can lean it one way or the other, but player of the year is tend to be stat driven. And I think Mac can put up more stats than, than your, your selection. Uh, well, I did struggle with this one a little bit, uh, but then I had to take my bias out of it. I love Mac. Mac's great. I'm super excited the Pats have him, and I think he's going to be a very, at minimum, a very good quarterback for a long time to come. Uh, but I went with who I'm sure you know I went with, and that is Jamar Chase. Yep. Uh, and not only because of the stats. The stats are great, but there's stats where a receiver just runs through a spot and the quarterback makes a great throw, throws up the ball, and then he just falls. This guy is getting open. This guy is making amazing catches. This guy is the best rookie receiver I can remember seeing since Randy Moss. You saw that, that big one he had the other day against uh, the, yep. the Ravens where he caught the ball. Two defensive players hit him. He spun out of it and then ran another 60 yards for the touchdown. This guy is going to set receiving records if he can stay healthy. He is a beast. And, look, I know everybody right now is still kind of caught up on the Bengals not drafting Penny Sewell, and Penny Sewell could end up being a Hall of Fame caliber player. But so will Jamar Chase. And I, as much as I would love it to be Mac Jones – this kid's going to put up league-leading receiving numbers as a rookie, and he's going to do it with great catches, physical play, getting open when he needs to, not just throw it to me, fall over. Throw it to me, right. fall over. So I'm going with Jamar Chase. And, and, and I'm not trying to knock Jamar. No, no, and I'm not knocking Mac Jones. It's, it's, you can only pick one. And, and realistically, Chris, if you look at his, his 2019 season, I think we've reviewed this before. 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns in 14 games. It does not surprise me that he's doing this. And let's remember a lot of people making fun of him. Yep. During the preseason about the missed catches. I do want to point out we we were not two of those people. No, we were not. It's like the guy's knocking the rust off. He's going to figure it out. Yeah. You don't catch 20 touchdowns and no. 1,700 yards in a co- in the SEC and just forget how to play football. I'm sorry. So I, I'm not surprised he's doing this, and I'm not surprised he's doing it as a rookie because, one, he's that talented, and, two, he's got his college quarterback thrown on the ball. So it, it, it just lends – I just still think uh, Penny Swell should be the pick, but this is it is literally going to come down to the end of the season on who needs a better playoff position. So who's going to get the rest? Mac Jones, Jamar Chase, because it really could come down to that at the end of the season. Who needs to play out of the season more? Uh, because if Mac needs the rest – uh, and Jamar Chase doesn't. He could run up some stats, and and I will say one caveat: if Jamar Chase sets some sort of receiver record, not just rookie receiver, but some sort of receiver record, he might just pull the. He, he would definitely pull off this uh, award. All right, I'm going to go first on this one. Go ahead. Only because it's not going to surprise you. Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going with – you know who I'm going with. 
Well, same guy been going with, right? Whole way through for the last two seasons. Yep, I know. Same guy who should have won it the last two seasons, uh, and the same guy who, no matter what you put in front of him, no matter whether he's injured, whether he's just a little banged up, whether you have talent around him or his teammates get hurt, finds a way to be a disruptive force on the field. T.J. Watt of the Steelers for all the reasons I just said. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that, Chris. I'm not I'm not going to tell anyone that T.J. Watt isn't one of the most disruptive forces in the game. In his I think fourth season now, third or fourth season, he, he was doing this his first season. I'm going to stay with my original pick of Miles Garrett, but and and because he's been a disruptive force for the Cleveland Browns, he's leading uh, one of the best pass rushes in the league. He I think he leads the league in sacks. He does, yes. Uh, five, I'm pretty sure I looked that up. Yep. Um, Nine and a half, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, and I am glad to say this because he has had a bad run of luck the past couple of years. I deeply consider Derwin James as my yeah. choice. Yep, yep. He is, he is a stat monster. This is not just uh, – a few stats here and there in every category. He is starting to put, he is starting to collect each and every stat category with significant numbers. He keeps this up. There's going to be deep conversation about whether it's miles Garrett, TJ Watt or Derwin James, especially if that team is the number one or number two seed, but I'm still going to stick with miles Garrett. Well, certainly nothing wrong with that. I can, I, I, I it was a difficult choice for me, but I got to stick with my guy. I mean, when it's when it's a coin toss, yeah, I'm sticking with the same guy I've been riding with for two years now. Like, offensive player of the year. So I did consider flipping my decision, but I stuck with it. I'm gonna go Josh Allen still. Mm. Uh, I went with Derrick Henry, and that was that was. Um, I don't remember who my was... original my original choice was. This guy, everybody on the field knows what's coming. I know you have Julio Jones. I know you have A.J. Brown, and I'm not discounting their talent. Like I said, A.J. Brown is on pace to have a Hall of Fame career. Julio Jones will be a Hall of Famer when he finally hangs him up. Uh, But Derrick Henry is the cog that makes this machine run, and there's no doubt about that. And even even when you know, you know, He's the only weapon they have in the past, not this season. He still does whatever. He, he just does whatever he wants. Just runs you over, runs by you, runs through you, throws you off with a stiff arm like like you're a small child. Like he's he's as close to unstoppable as there is in this league, and he could go for. 2,000 yards again this season. Could be the first person to ever do it. Not only back-to-back, but ever, twice. And I don't under... I, I don't... I can't envision Derrick Henry getting 2,000 yards again this year and keeping up this pace of touchdowns and not being the offensive player of the year. I, I just... I don't... I, I will say he had a slow week last week, Chris. Uh, 86 yards against the Chiefs. Just... Just want to let you know he had, had a little bit of a speed bump there, but well, um, aside from the fact of he's been receiving and he threw a touchdown pass, I mean, I'm just just pointing out the obvious. 
but all kidding aside, I, I, if he goes for 2,000 yards, there's there's probably not going to be a question that he'll probably pull off the, the award. Um, my question would be, just before we move on to the, the, the big award, is he going to break it, the the record? A single season rushing record? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You're not even a question. He'll he'll do it in 16 games too. He won't need the 17 game. He'll do it in okay. 16. That's 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 a bold statement right there because it it would be easy for you to say yeah he'll do it and he has 17 games to do it. So 16 games, okay. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Well, you and I both know if he does it in 17, it'll still be impressive as hell because that's a ton of yards. But there'll always be people who go, oh, there's an asterisk though, 17. Like it's yeah, his it, fault. Like it's his fault. There's an extra game. Right, and and think and think of it this way, Chris. In like 10, 15 years, if someone broke the single season record of of what was it, Eric Dickerson? Yeah. If he didn't break it this year, and someone broke it in like 10, 15 years, it would be an afterthought. Exactly. Right. Because it's been so right. long having seventeen games, it'd be like, oh wow, yeah, he broke the record, no asterisk. But to your point, because it, you know it's the first year, yeah. So I, I hope he does do it in sixteen. Here's 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 a rundown of of real quick. He had a slow week, week one, fifty eight yards. Yeah. Week two against Seattle, one hundred and eighty two yards and three touchdowns. Week three against Indy, one hundred and thirteen yards. Mind you, Indy has one of the most stout defenses in the league. Um, this is on top of moderate receiving numbers. I mean, he's not he's not killing it on the receiving front, but he's you know, averaging, I'd say, three to four catches a game, maybe two to three. This doesn't really have to catch it because he just runs wherever he wants to go. Right. Uh, week four against the Jets, and I know the Jets, LOL, I get it, but, like, their offense is a joke, but we can all agree their defense played really good that first month. Uh, let's see. He had 33 carries for 157 yards and a touchdown. By the way, that was the game that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones were both out. So you tell me when they know there's no Ryan Tannehill to help carry him, or excuse me, when there's no Julio and A.J. Brown to help carry Ryan Tannehill, what does everybody think they're going to do? They're just going to hand it off to Derrick Henry. And he still ran it down their throat. Like, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just saying how impressed I am by that. Like, this guy is just remarkable. And I think if, if they needed to continue to run the other day, uh, he probably could have run for a lot more against Kansas City, but I think a lot of that second half was just ball control. Don't kill, don't kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> run till you get hit. Take forty well, seconds off the clock. We're gonna die here with a win. Well, he did run the ball twenty nine times though. He did, but again, like I said, yeah. there's a big difference when you're up by twenty four points running the ball as when you have to mow people down to try to get to the end zone. A lot of that self preservation. Hey, I can take this hit if we're gonna lose the game because I don't. Or, oh, we're up by, you know, this team isn't doing anything. Our defense is playing great. We're up by three scores. I'm probably just going to, you know, scoot out of bounds here or go down after contact. Trust me, if Derrick Henry had to against that defense, he could have gone for two bills. Okay. This isn't going to be long for me. Um, My MVP Mm -hmm. is also my offensive player of the year, Derrick Henry. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I'm not going to rehash everything I just said. I'll instead cede to you and then let you. So, uh, so I, I considered changing my pick, 
I think I did say before we started, uh, I only changed one player, and that was defensive rookie of the year. So I'm sticking with my original pick, and that was Patrick Mahomes. I still think he – I don't think he's – the league's figured him out. I don't think he's severely enough injured that he's broken this season. I think he'll figure out enough to put up the stats that are needed, and I think he'll pull off the victory and be the MVP. However, I did consider TB12. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, But I want to try to stay with my pick. I tried to not change anything. Um, And I just think Mahomes still has enough in the season to, even though though he's thrown a significant amount of picks. um, Oh, his stats are still still top tier besides the picks. So he still has a chance to kind of, Write the write the ship and, and put up the stats because he's gonna need to, um, to get the the uh, MVP. Because even he's got nine. Even if he throws like two or three more, if he gets like really on fire and throws like only two or three more for us the season, that's only eleven or twelve. It's not a crazy amount, and I think, I think he can come back and, and produce. And I believe that Andy Reid and that offense is going to write the ship. The only problem is going to be that defense. There's a lot of guys I did consider. I did consider Brady, obviously. I did consider Mahomes. Uh, My original pick was Justin Herbert, and I still think he's going to be in contention. Of course, Josh Allen. You got Lamar Jackson. Can't discount what he's doing. Uh, I just think from a pure constantly being hit on every single play, nobody takes more abuse than running backs. And uh, for him to keep doing what he's doing is just is insane. Now he probably won't win it. I'm just giving you my guess because it'll probably go to a quarterback. But can I ask you one question before we move on to Baker Tank? Sure. And this is this is purely running back related. Okay. Outside of Derrick Henry, effect on the game, not stat wise. Effect on the game, productivity level, and not just stat driven. Is there anybody else in that top tier with Derrick Henry? Because you also have to factor in the biggest uh, biggest thing, availability. And that seems to be the one problem with a lot of running backs on top tier. I would absolutely – I think if – again, availability is the issue. If yeah. you put Nick Chubb in a situation where he had to carry the ball as much as Henry – He's a big guy. He's not. He's not like. He's not a beast like Henry, but he's a big, strong dude who can run and drag people. Uh, I'd say the closest to who I think could have the potential, with all things being equal, would be Nick Chubb. So you're telling me Derek is tier one, and nobody else. We're going situation right now. Right now, not potential. We're talking right now. Yeah. Is yeah, there anybody yeah. else? Nope. No. Just him. Wow. Wow. No, no again. Kamara. No Zeke, no Kamara. No, because Kamara has been very good, but he hasn't put up the numbers he has the last couple of seasons so far. I have my fantasy team. I took him fifth overall, fourth overall, whatever pick I had. He's been good, but he hasn't been the – 40 point monster that he was for the previous two seasons. Um, and Zeke, 
is only Zeke doesn't make players around him better. Zeke can become better because of players around him. So you're just it's because Derrick Henry is it doesn't matter. Exactly. Derrick Henry is going to run around you or through you or whatever he has to do to get over you, no matter what team he's on, no matter where he is. Zeke, as we saw last year, the minute that Dak left that game, Zeke was not the same running back. I'm not saying he's bad, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, knock the guy because there's there's a lot of great players who have to rely on other players around them to live up to their potential. That's not a knock, but it does make you pretty damn special when you alone pretty much raise up your entire offense just on your gameplay. Yeah. And Zeke cannot do that. Um, Kamara, I'm sorry, he doesn't have the size to do that. There's a reason Kamara doesn't run the ball 30 times a game. Yeah. And, and he doesn't have and he doesn't have Drew anymore. Right. And that that, that is a factor. Yeah. He's he's talented say- and he puts up good points and he gets nice fantasy numbers, but impact on the game? Yeah. It's Derrick Henry and nobody else right now. My closest and you already you already know what the reason why he's not there. The closest is Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. And but that's the in my opinion that's the closest, and that's only because of the availability factor. Right. Similar to Derrick Henry, he could just you can just hand a ball to him, and he can carry the offense. But unfortunately, like I said, availability is part of it, and that is that can be a problem for Dalvin Cook. Oh, there's guys I could have put on that list if they were healthy. Yeah. McCaffrey, he's not right. he's not the physical monster that that Derrick Henry is, but he was on some bad Panthers teams and put up killer numbers. Yeah. Availability takes out about half the league right away. Yeah, and it takes away the majority of the upper echelon. Your Dalvin Cooks, your Nick Chubbs, your uh, your your um, Saquon Saquons, those guys, and then you have guys like Zeke, who again I'm not trying to knock, but he relies on those around him to make him better. Whereas Derrick Henry just says, "Give me that damn ball thirty times a game, I'm running for a buck twenty and two touchdowns. We're gonna win." Yeah, it's it's impressive, it's impressive, and and I just wonder, at any point, are we gonna have another player? Because five ten years ago, you could have said, well, maybe a little bit longer, but minimum ten years ago, you'd have a collection of players who do that. Yep. Now you have yep. only one. But yeah, that's yeah for me. He's he's in that tier right now, and I, I'd love to see somebody else. I'd, I'd love if there was four or five players of his caliber in the league. That'd be that'd be a fun watch. But all right, banker tank for week seven. Uh, it was interesting to say the least. Uh, let me pull it up here. There we go. Okay, so for the year. Oh, let's go week seven first. Week seven, uh, t- friend of the show and mom, Tammy, number one mm-hmm. fan, uh, went two and four with a total overall record of 15 and 21. Ben had a rough week. You had a rough week, buddy. And again, I told you, despite the fact that I didn't, I'm not gloating because you kicked my ass pretty much the entire season. So you went one and five. Ooh. And you are 25 and 17 overall. Very respectable. Eight games over 500. However... Yours truly, for the first time, for me at least, I don't know if you've ever done this, went 6-0. and I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. And we are now Good tied time. in the season at 25-17. and 17. Yeah. I was able to make up five games on you, which there was oh. a inordinate amount of 
uh, half point to three quarter, uh, like 0.2 points, 0.4 points in one way or the other. When I looked at mine, I'm like, no, no way. Come on. And uh, it was, it was exciting. So we are going into week eight and we are, it's a wash. We're tied. So that tells you very competitive. And uh, like I said, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not gloating too much because up until this point I've been mediocre at best. So, but it was pretty exciting to see six and oh, and I don't, I've never done that before. So that's a first for me. Uh, I don't know if you have, I know you've come close a few times. I don't know if you have, but either way, it's uh, going to be a fun rest of the way here on Banker Tank. So with that said, who you got this week? So for bank, I'm going to go uh, Matt Ryan, Joe Mixon, and McLaren with Washington. Okay. I am going to go with Josh Allen, Dalvin Cook, and Jamar Chase. All right, Tank, I'm going Ryan Tannehill. Alvin Kamara and Mike Williams with the L.A. Chargers. I am going with Tom Brady, Austin Eckler, and Cooper Cup. Now, real quick, I know we don't, we haven't really been digging into these. I just want to say, Josh Allen. I know people say, "Wow, Josh Allen, really coming off a loss, coming off a bye week, and he has a projection of almost thirty-seven points against the division rival." So. It's no guarantee he's going to get almost 37 points against the Dolphins. I, I, so I, that's why I went with that one. Uh, so just if anybody's like, oh, that's a, that's a gimme. Not really. 37 points is no joke. So, all right. You got anything else? You're good. Uh, no, I'm all set. All right. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. If you have any questions for Ben or I on anything you heard on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, we'd love to hear from you. And, Ben, where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter at BCTS Pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, the website, BCTSPod.com, and Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast and leave a rating and a review and tell a friend to do the same. We would greatly appreciate it. Word of mouth is still, even with all this social media madness, still the best way to spread the word. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.